Do you wonder if others are dealing with the same project management challenges as you? Not sure where to turn for guidance and leadership? Office Hours are in session as we discuss project management and PMOs with global leaders, hearing their story and learning their secrets to success. Our goal is to empower you and help you elevate your PMO and project management career to new heights. Welcome back to Project Management Office Hours with your host, PMO Joe. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours. We're the number one live project management radio show in the U.S., broadcasting to you today from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour or so, we'll be talking project management and strategy and a, a few other items with our special guest. I uh, just want to let everybody know that we have a, a couple of firsts today. This is uh, our first double header. We're, we're actually going to have two live shows. We're on now and then at our regularly scheduled 11 o'clock a.m. Arizona time. We'll be live as well with Erica Flora. The first on that show, this will be our first live in-studio guest since the pandemic. So uh, two shows in one day and nice to be back in the studio with one of them in person. Also want to let everybody know about an event coming up in September the Arizona State University Project Management Summit will be on September 29th. It's going to be an online virtual conference free for all to participate. Registration opened yesterday and a great opening day. Close to 100 people signed up on the first day. So it's going to be a big event and a great lineup of speakers and presenters, a few of which have been guests on the show. So Lee Lambert will be speaking, Elizabeth Heron, Billy Mawape, and several others. And also, regular listeners know, I'm uh, one of the founders of VPMMA, the Veteran Project Manager Mentor Alliance, a nonprofit organization helping veterans transition into the civilian PM world. We are proud to be partners for this upcoming event, and we have a track dedicated to veterans. Uh, So we'll be having speakers from the ASU Pat Tillman Veterans Center. We have the director of Arlington National Cemetery, and several other speakers uh, talking to veterans and their post-service careers. We'll have the registration information in the show notes, but if you want to check it out now, you can go out to https colon backslash backslash whova.com, whova.com slash web slash asupm underscore 202109. And again, that will get you to the ASU PM Summit. Of course, I want to thank our sponsors, the PMO Squad and the PMO Leader. A reminder for everyone to go out and visit their websites to learn about all of the great services they have. And so for today, our special guest, super excited to have one of the leaders in our industry, Antonio Nieto Rodriguez. Antonio, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Joe. I'm very happy to be here with you and uh, and glad we could make it. Uh, unfortunately, we had to postpone uh, unforeseen, but now we make it. And I look forward to a great exchange. I appreciate a lot what you're doing. So I'm sure we'll have a good discussion. Yeah, my pleasure. If, can Obviously, most everybody out there listening should know who you are. But in case there are some newbies in our industry, care to take a moment just to Say hello to them and share a little bit about your story and and who you are and what you've accomplished. Sure, a pleasure. So maybe the most relevant piece is that I I was the chairman of PMI in 2016. I spent six years in the board of PMI. Uh, One of the biggest achievements, I would say, we uh, I, I pushed uh, very uh, strongly to launch the Brightline Initiative, which clearly is an area where I've been focusing for the last 25 years, which is connecting projects to senior executives and strategy. I've worked in PwC for 10 years, seven years in BNP Paribas Banking, the one that sponsors uh, Davis Cup and, and Roland Garros. And then I've moved to Pharma. I've been working in GSK, Past director of PMO now currently working on the sustainability transformation, which is one of the most exciting areas. Uh, I've been so I've been uh, a practitioner, but also at the same time, Joe, I develop an interest for for sharing and teaching, and, and 
I, I was not like the great student or just passing, but I once went to, I did an MBA and the first class was like an eye opener. Uh, first time ever that I learned in the class from a teacher, like without any effort, making magic, teaching through case studies and entertaining. And I said, I want to be like that. I, I think most of the project management training that I've had followed was super boring, uh, probably the most, most worrying trainings I ever had uh, for five days. And I said, we need to change that. We need to make project management more attractive. And so I started writing. I've written three, four books, uh, Focus Organization, uh, The Project Revolution, Lead Successful Projects for Penguin. And, and the, my, list, my, my recent book coming out now in October is, is for Harvard Business Review. So my, my purpose in, in life, Joe, uh, became clear when I was fired from uh, from my job, uh, when the senior leader said, listen, project management is not something fancy, it's something that anybody can do, it's very tactical, and, and companies will not buy project management at high rates, uh, as opposed to strategy or innovation. Or the... And that was a moment where I said, well, I just don't get it. Every company is struggling with projects, not just one project, but portfolios of projects, the, the PMOs are always challenged. And I said, well, every company in the world needs uh, advice and, and competency. So this is 2004, where I said, I, I, I need to change that. And so since then, my quest has been, uh, I, 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 as opposed to many of the keynote speakers and in, in the project management world, where they talk mostly around project managers and project management forums, I've been dedicated 15 years outside this bubble. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, business leaders forums uh, to to predict the value of project management. It was not easy because project management is very easy tactically, uh, becomes very tactical and and convoluted and people don't want to hear, don't see the value. So I had to change. I had to learn how to speak to senior leaders to show that we're we're bringing a huge amount of value here. And and that's how I went into Thinkers 50 to get that recognition, not just for me, but for the profession. It was the first time in 20 years that they recognized somebody telling stories or thought leadership around project management. They've been always the same topics. And I say, guys, we deliver. So uh, I got the Thinkers 50, the top guru. So trying to get not just for me, but for the profession, that recognition that we don't have and I think we deserve. And that has been my my quest, my my purpose in life is to make sure that we are recognized. And the book with Harvard Business Review is, is that cherry on the cake. It's just saying, well, now Harvard is also interested in projects and they want to reinvent it. And they see a huge, huge uh, gap that they've not been covering, uh, just talking between us, that now they suddenly see, well, this is an area not just for project managers, but executives too. So um, this is a very long introduction about me, Joe, but you can really see my focus, my passion, my purpose. Uh, and I keep um, yeah, enjoying what I do and talking to people like you, learning every day. I think the world of has never seen more demand in project management than we are today and in the next years. Yeah, thank you so much for that. And, and you and I have talked before the show a couple of months back and, and that we had so much in common, right? You speak about mm-hmm. passion and purpose. And of course, the purpose-driven PMO uh, is our focus with the PMO squad. We have that in common. I spoke earlier this week to a SIM chapter, the Society of Information Managers, about the ROI of project maturity, mm-hmm. not, not the benefits of pr- project management, but how within the organization we can develop and produce ROI by the organization alignment to delivery and strategy, right? Project management, remove the word, it's delivery and strategy and how we can uh, help organizations achieve their goals. So I'm really looking forward to today because it's not me saying this, it's somebody that's a leader in the industry who's saying the same things. And I think you can share some of those stories and some of the entertainment that you talk about to be able to help the industry recognize what's in front of us, right? And what the future looks like for us. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So if, you know, you shared a good introduction, obviously we learned a little bit about you and your interest, uh, of course, with it, with project management and strategy. Uh, but tell us a little bit more about this, the strategy or strategic institute and, and where that came from, how that came about and, 
how uh, how that's helping change our industry. Sure. So this is, uh, I think, three years ago where I set up the Strategy Implementation Institute uh, with my partner, Robin Spekulan, an expert living in Singapore on strategy. Uh, I was coming more from the project and, and, and PMO space. And, and basically, um, the whole uh, idea of the Institute came to mind because I, I felt there was a big need in the space of uh, career development for for project management professionals. I, as part of PMI, I always insisted that we had to develop something stronger beyond the PMP, uh, PGMP and portfolio management we didn't pick up and as opposed to MSP management successful projects from uh, from Prince2, which is quite well uh, unknown and has million uh, plus uh, certified. I thought that we don't have anything to go further in our careers. You can move uh, parallel and you can do Scrum and Agile or change or start with business analysis, but then it stopped. You can do a bit of PMO, portfolio management, benefit management, but that's it. It's still in the same silo. And I thought we need something that we will use to let people become better in their job by understanding strategy. And, uh, and I realized that strategy is not just the point of the triangle in our careers, but strategy, when you know about strategy implementation, it opens the door for a different world. You can move transversely, you can really opens a lot of doors. So the intent of this uh, strategy implementation institute is to provide people like us, experts in project management, the means, the tools, the knowledge, uh, the community to get better and progress in their career and, and not just move out one level, but move out different levels in, in their uh, in their career, uh, opening new doors. And, and basically, I build a program just uh, how I would like to see it. And you'll see there's very little around project management. It's more about culture. It's more about performance. It's about value, like you talk about, Joe. Value is key, employee engagement. So it's a bit of a few levels higher to bring us that vision that I think companies are looking for. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes that I like to use uh, is from Morris Chang, who is the former CEO of Taiwan Semiconductor. And he says, strategy without execution is useless mm-hmm. and execution without strategy is aimless. Right. <laughs> and if we think about that, that's I bet I, who knows the percentage, but let's say it's 90 percent of the companies in the world aren't aligned to strategy for their delivery. And therefore, they're doing work. They're accomplishing things. But are they try, Are they really accomplishing what the organization has set out to do from a strategy perspective? And, and that gap is completely missing. And, and to your point about PMI and the other institutions focused on the individual, we're missing out, right? Because we don't, uh, Brightline is important and Strategy Implementation Institute's important and the project economy is important. But nobody really from an organization or association perspective is pushing that out to our industry the way we do a PMP or a CAPM or a PGMP, right? I mean, how do we, how do we make that shift? How do we get that exposure that we need that you're talking to? Well, Joe, this has been my struggle for 20 years. And, and I think we got to the point where people acknowledge that they need to build those competencies, that they need to increase their maturity in terms of implementation. It's just always very hard to find the right sponsor who's going to say, well, we're going to invest now in these skills, these competencies. And I know it's not going to be a short-term return because when you build competencies, it takes time to deliver. So uh, I think I found that quite frustrating uh, for many, many years where people realize, well, we're a mess managing projects. We actually don't know how many projects we have recently, I've been talking to several companies. They say, well, listen, we are 500 employees. We have 800 projects. And say, <laughs> how, can, how can you have more projects than people? They have to still do their day-to-day job. Well, yes, because it's a mess. And, and the more speed that the world is going to, and, and I, I always say we're moving into, uh, we're moving from the world uh, driven by efficiency, which required a lot of elements that we've been using in the past, hierarchies and culture, command and control disciplines, CEOs and uh, deep uh, experts. And we're moving to a world driven by change. And 
And when change is the driver, everything is different. Your culture is different. Your structures are different. I always uh, challenge a bit PMOs because if you look at the PMBOK or any other methodologies around uh, PMOs, the PMO is a box in a hierarchy. When we're saying hierarchies are disappearing, are becoming flatter, then PMOs as we know them, they're dead. CEOs, C- chief operating officers are dead because operations are becoming automated and it's a fraction of what it was in the past. So I think we see a lot of change and that is being recognized by leaders. I think the other challenge, Joe, is knowing how to sell. I think if you look at the great sales people, they sell value. Um, and, and they can't commit even to say, well, I don't get any money if I don't deliver value. And so far, we've not taken that step. I think we talk more about deliverables, we talk about milestones, but I think we need to step up and really focus on impact, value, benefits. Uh, and that we've not done so far. We sometimes, well, sometimes, often, we don't know what's the value of our projects. We don't know what they're going to deliver, let alone the portfolio. So I think there's a long way to go in that space, but we need to catch up very quickly. Yeah, I- I was talking again at the Sim Houston chapter, and I would we talked a little bit about the difference between SROs, Strategy Realization Office, and PMOs, and it's the evolution, right? It, it's the PMO should have been doing this all along, and since they weren't, executives exactly. have developed a first impression of them that immediately thinks they're bureaucracy and they're overhead. So their only way out is actually to rebrand themselves. And, yes. and to, to focus on SROs, but a lot of the same activities are there, except the focus, the mindset is different, right? We have to change that mindset. So as a project manager, right, a lot of our listeners are, are project managers. They're not PMO leaders. They're people in the trenches every day. What can they do to start thinking like a strategic implementer, right? How can they make that shift within their career? Well, I think it's um, uh, very very recently, but um, often I start to hear more that people are let go from their jobs. They, they need to reinvent. It's like reapply to another jobs. And this happened, for example, in ING, the big bank, Dutch bank, where they really went for an agile transformation, agile at scale. And what they did is they got everybody without a job. And now really need to reinvent yourself. And I think PMOs, we've been in a comfortable space. We've been challenged, but we know what uh, we were to they see kind of things that methodologies and and templates and tools and but I think we my suggestion is think about if you are tomorrow out of job uh, how would you reinvent the PMO uh, how would you brand it where would you focus on how would you use technology that we've not been using so far how would you show the value that we've been talking for many years and we've never delivered. Clearly, so I think it's maybe an, an, uh, taking that step where we say, well, tomorrow we don't have a job anymore. The PMO disappears. How do you want to position it? Um, and feel that pressure, feel that, uh, um, yeah, challenge where you really need to think deep. And I, like you, Joe, I fully agree that we need to move upwards. We need to think more strategically. There's nobody better placed to act as the strategy implementation office than the PMOs if they reinvented themselves, if they move up from the back office to a front office where they say, well, I'm going to make sure that these 20 top projects get delivered. Uh, and I accountable. I think it's been an easy ride, Joe. It's like you said, is for 20, 40 years, PMOs have never had to deliver value, um, very seldom. The value of the companies was operational. The KPIs that was reported to shareholders, all operational sales. And, but why do we not say, no, then the value that this company is going to be creating in the next five years is going to come from us. We're going to do it. And I think it's this, that's the stage that we are at, that if we don't do that, somebody else in the business will do it. Yeah. And the PMOs will be gone forever. Well, and, and this is why I helped found right, the PMO leader which is a community out there, global community, free to join for project management leaders to come together as a community and discuss these items, right? There's, there isn't an organization. They can't turn to PMI. It doesn't exist, right? They don't talk PMOs there. Um, so this is what we want to do within the PMO leader. But I, I think the discussion 
as we look at it is it's not just the PMO that has to change, it's leadership that has to change, right? It has to be accepting that we're going to deliver on strategy as opposed to just creating a strategic plan and think operations will take over, right? So there's that, it's two sides to this equation. We have to deliver on strategy, but we have to have executives willing to allow us to align to that and, and get us that focus. And your work now with a lot on the executive side and, and talking to them, how does that come into play, right? What's what's their perspective of trusting, which has been so hard over the years, right? I'm going to trust the PMO to deliver and then the PMO comes up short. But now we're saying we you have to trust us and you have to allow that we're going to have a different mindset, that we're going to execute on strategy. How, how do we get executives to buy into this concept that we will align to strategy and we are capable to go deliver it? I think I think you mentioned leadership, and and my feeling, Joe, has been that project managers have never been project leaders; they've been project managers. Mm-hmm. And to be a leader, and I say, well, you need to be actually more than leader. You need to be the CEO of your projects, and taking ownership of of the idea of what you're building, fight for it, challenge leaders, challenge your sponsor. If your sponsor is not showing up, go and say, hey, sponsor, your role is to be there. And if you're not there, this project is not going to work. So better stop it. I know it's a bit difficult when you are still in a hierarchy and decline and so on, but the principle is that we need to really step up. I think PMOs, project managers need to step up and and feel free to challenge. And I think um, uh, we've been kind of pushed down. We're delivery people when we should be stepping up and say, we don't deliver, we just create value and tell us what's the value. And I've been challenging senior leaders in, for example, for prioritization, for choosing projects. Uh, The senior leaders are used to choose almost all the projects. I say at one point, I say, we have just budget for 10 projects. You have 30 on the list. There were 12 people around the table, all senior leaders in the back and say, we don't leave the room until you've chosen 10. And I say, Antonio, but, but we cannot choose. It's so difficult. And, and, and we love all these projects and we cannot cancel any of the running projects because we've invested. Say, no, this is over. Now you want control of your portfolio. And I was director of PMO, which I think PMOs are moving to portfolio management and, and prioritization is key for that part. And, and I forced them. I, I really say it's my role, it's my duty that these companies is prioritize, that we know what are the top projects. So if we don't get it, I don't care your role. I don't care your bigger boss than me. My role has to be done. And yeah. until we don't reach that level where we can feel comfortable to calling up a sponsor and say, you're not doing your job or calling the CEO saying, we don't get any buying for this project, then we're not there. And that means also delivering, committing. I, I, I think one of the biggest, there are many things that shock me in when I've done the research around traditional ways of we've seen project management so far, but one of them is, well, we're not accountable of the goals. We're not accountable. That's the sponsor. We're just responsible. It's like you're managing a football team and you don't responsible of the scores, <laughs> right? That's yeah. not your problem. Yeah. And, and I think that's the what really needs to change in PMOs, in project managers is step up, be the owner, be, be the CEO and fight for it and, and tell anybody that you need them, uh, tell them. Don't be afraid of challenging. Don't be afraid to put your project at stake and say, we stop it. I've done it. And they get scared and then suddenly they start working with me. Yeah, we I, I speak often about how PMO should have a mindset similar to a sales organization, right? The sales department goes after sales, right? They close deals and they get rewarded. They get bonuses. There's incentive to go close them. And the PMO has spent too much time making sure that the system's updated properly, that the checklist has been, you know, worked properly. And and there's never been a sales leader who said, sorry, we're not going to close the deal because you didn't update the CRM system, right? They would never do that. But we across the world in our PMOs are saying, forget the outcome. I want to make sure the process is followed. We have to stop that, right? We have to be focused on the outcomes to get the value, which drives the strategic execution. So absolutely, we're talking theoretical about all of this, right? I mean, this is in theory what we're doing, but how about practically? Are, are there some examples 
that you can speak to about how this has been put into practice? Sure, I've, I've worked, uh, assisted a company, a Swiss company working in, 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 uh, in biogenetics. Uh, and um, I, I, the CEO was already seeing the, the, the need for growth. And, and he saw that you need growth comes from projects. So, uh, and I, what I'm going to share is something that any company could do. But he, he took the 10 uh, executives, all reporting business leaders, uh, from different parts of the, the world and say, listen, people, I want that you find one project, one idea, each of you, 10 ideas. And I want to find growth in three years of 1 billion Swiss francs. So oh, in between you, all of 10, I want that you cover in three, uh, uh, bring in three years, 1 billion Swiss francs new, from new ideas. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, and the PMO was driving that. So I was supporting, say, the PMO said, well, we'll help you with the prioritization, with the selection, we'll build you skills because these people had no clue about sponsorship. They were the sponsors. And, <clears throat> and so there was a, a, a lot around building competencies at that level on the sponsorship, on the project leadership part. The PMO was driving this and, and reporting. The CEO wanted every quarter an update on how we were doing on these 10 projects. And this formula is, is super easy to copy to say well pmos you can do that you can offer to your ceo say listen why don't we ask each of our senior executives to come one project just one project for growth and impact maybe you're in sustainability look good for that too but do it there's no really uh downside because some projects will succeed you will get the attention really the ceos want to see growth there's nothing more valuable and attention gathering that committing to some value creation. So there it is a nice way, an example, which worked to share with, uh, with your CEOs. That shows, again, it's not just the delivery, but that also I'm sure led to innovation within the organization, right? In order to get that growth, they couldn't continue to do what they've always done, right? There must've been innovation involved as well. Absolutely. It triggered from the start, the innovation and, and, and accelerating some of the ideas that they have been dragging on for, for six, seven years and suddenly they became priority. We're going to invest. The CEO said, I'm having here uh, resources to put in place if you need that. Of course, it, it, that kind of project triggers some, some of the weaknesses when you are not project driven, when you still work very much in silos. So the Many of these 10 projects require resources from different parts of the business and then say, what is it for me uh, if I put my resources for your project? So this was great because it just it was not just about delivering the value, but it was one building those competencies and, and showing to the CEO that there were also some structural changes that need to happen. And this was all facilitated by the director of the PMO, who was actually reporting to the CEO. So that that, of course, is a big advantage. Yeah, and obviously we're living in uh, a global pandemic now. Hopefully we're closer to the end than we are the beginning, but we can't control uh, how this will play out. But it, it also created the need for companies to innovate and change the way they operated, right? I mean, how have you seen the pandemic has changed the world of project management? There's a couple of learnings, Joe, I think, and this is something that I I really uh, worry that if we don't bring forward or make it clear to everybody, uh, we'll just forget. There are two two big things I want to share. First, uh, more generic, what happened when the pandemic was announced, lockdown, no traveling, uh, all these things. So companies did extreme prioritization, something that we usually talk about, but uh, doesn't happen. I was telling you about the bank I worked for, and it was so hard. But here, no, there was no doubt. They cut 90% of the projects, and they choose one or two that will make them survive. That's it. Cut the rest. There's no problem. Another big thing they did is they shift the resources to work 
100% dedicated to these two, three projects. Mm -hmm. Usually people work 10% of their time, 5%, which is useless. Better don't work. But here they didn't doubt. And in one day to another, they had the best people working in the most strategic projects. And then management attention. Management was on top of these projects day, every day, every not just one an hour every three months or one hour every month. No, they, they were several hours per day. So we got that management attention. We got the best people in play. We got full-time dedication. Things that we know, Joe, you and I, we know that if you have these things in place, your project will succeed. But it didn't happen because we're in everywhere. So the pandemic help companies to survive because of project management. There's no doubt, extreme prioritization and top project management. And the second learning, uh, which I think is beautifully can extrapolate it, is that the development of the COVID vaccine. Mm -hmm. This is uh, state of the art. This is Olympic uh, project management. It's more a hybrid approach. So when I talk about project management, I, I moved away from the waterfall, uh, agile uh, product uh, development. It's all the same. It's all about change, getting things done, creating value. But I call it project management. But basically, with the COVID vaccine, we've done in 10% of the time something that was impossible to do before. Doing a vaccine before the pandemic, uh, it was 10 to 12 years. If you say, hey, guys, I have a great idea. We're going to do it in 10 months. They would say, are you crazy? You're fired. You're fired tomorrow, right? You're insane. You go to a site because this is impossible. Yeah, impossible. And what happened? It happened. So what can we learn from that project? What happened to make something that takes 10 years, 10 months? And there I'm writing, of course, this is something I want to promote through HBR. And, but this is, this is the solution to most of the problems in your companies, in the world. I was listening 800 people, kids are not having enough food. If we want, we can solve that in 10% of the time. Climate change, we could solve it in 10% of the time. We have the formula now. It's working with your competitors, working with regulators, having a higher purpose, not focus on the business case, working in agile hybrid approaches um, and, and really getting the management team involved, best resources, <coughs> things that we know, but this is happened exponentially uh, and I, I just think we need to really make sure that this is known by every leader. We have the tool. We have the formula now for solving whatever we want. Yeah, the, uh, you know, obviously COVID has created a lot of death and sorrow, and that's been horrible. But the one thing that COVID killed that's been positive for the world is the phrase, that's the way we've always done it. Yes, right. Yes. That excuse can never be used again Absolutely. because we proved that that's the way we've always done it is useless. It's useless. I we, agree. We I took agree too. 10 years of digital transformation roadmaps and pushed them out mm -hmm. in a week. Right. It, it, we had the world changed yeah. on a dime. So we know it's possible. I'm with you. We can change the mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. We have changed the world when we want to and the world will never go back right we people say our workers going to go back you know uh, they're vaccinated they can go back in the office now well no they never will because the world changed right it's not that they won't go back yeah. maybe one day a week two days a week or, but you'll never have 100 percent of your employees back in a building because the world changed we proved what was possible and I'm with you 100% on this. I and mean, we, we change the way we work. And, and now, if we want to, right, as a human race or as a company, uh, pick the size of the project you want to tackle. But we showed that we can go do that when the collective is mm -hmm. working together, right? That's the power Absolutely. of project management when you go execute. Absolutely. So what are, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about project management. We've talked about the PMOs. We've talked about the 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 impact that we can have on strategy and the connection of strategy. But as a project manager, what are some of the skills that I need and capabilities to be successful in this new world, right? This COVID's the beginning of the new, right? So what are the next five years or so, what are those skills and capabilities I'm going to need to be successful? Well, there is, um, I think there's a big shift and, and, I, I, I call the current project managers and change managers and so I call them generalists. 
And what I think the world needs is deep generalists. So what does it mean? It means that people need to um, develop different tools sets, uh, meaning it's not agile scrum versus waterfall. It's, it's both. It's agile scrum, waterfall, but also product understanding product development, understanding change management, understanding why not Six Sigma. Many of the projects can be done in continuous improvement mode. Uh, design thinking. I think this is something that we've not heard so much. It was one or the other, focus on one thing. And I, I think the opposite. I think we need to build all these tools. Maybe you can have one or two areas where you're stronger, but don't just push away Agile or Scrum. Learn about that. So I think there's a lot of learning in that space, uh, Joe, on, on those tools and, and methods and, and, and expanding that tool set and knowing when to apply, when knowing when to apply Agile, hybrid, or, 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 or traditional. Uh, I think this is a big space. The other big area for us to learn is that I found out that our current project life cycle is super narrow. And I didn't realize that, but uh, I don't understand why all the methodologies in project management ignore innovation. Uh, just say, we don't care about what happened in innovations. It's not my problem. You start when the idea has been chosen. Sometimes even the business case has been made. And then you, from there, you take and make a project, a plan, a scope, and then implement. And then what happens after with the product? You don't care. This is amazing. I don't know who came with this project. I said, I don't care at the beginning. I don't care at the end. I just do the middle, right? And it's just insane. It just doesn't make sense. Maybe it was making sense 40 years ago, but why should not you care about what happens after? So especially with the introduction of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and, and getting rid of all the admin work where we do a lot of admin work, actually PMOs and project managers, 50% at least, uh, getting rid of that, we can play a role in innovation. We can be facilitators in innovation. We can uh, know design thinking. We can know which idea is ready to be a project, which idea should be using more uh, lean startup approach. Of course, we need to do what we're good at, the implementation and the planning, but then sometimes run what we build. I don't understand why we never run what we build. There's nobody that knows more about what the project does than the project leader, right? Why do we need to run away and give it to somebody, if we find it, to take over of the tool, the product, the organization that we're building? So I think there is a huge need to expand in our scope in your project lifecycle, early phase, later phase, focus on benefits and building those extra tools, including change management, product development. So, and if we don't do that, uh, Joe, if we don't do that in the next year, somebody else will do. And it will be a, an operational manager or, uh, or the change managers, they will take over because that's what companies are looking for. I call them end-to-end -end implementation specialists. As you're speaking, I'm trying to think, well, why, why has it always been that way? And again, it's hard to put blame on, on a single organization or whatever, but PMI has such influence over our industry that they've always been focused on the individual practitioner and getting him or her certified or supposedly capable to run a project that we've never really had a dominant association or organization focused on the outcomes that we're creating through delivery. And I know with what you're doing now, right, with the strategic implementation organization, right, that you're, you're focused more on let's make sure we can deliver this stuff, right? It's, it's not just how do you run a project. It's not a WBS. It's not a schedule. It's, those things are important. We don't want to diminish them. But the outcome is what's important, right? Not the actual step that we're going through to get to that outcome. Exactly. And Sally, I, 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 I just, every time we talk, Joe, I agree 100%. And, and if you look at some, uh, some iconic projects like the Sydney Opera House, for example, that was a terrible project. According to project management methods and KPIs, that was a terrible project that should be canceled uh, because they were 10 years late, 100 million over budget. How can we say that our approach talks about the Sydney Opera House as a terrible project when after a year just deliver much more than it had cost? So there is something that we need to change. I'm trying to change that in the, in the HBR book. I'm trying to propose new triple constraints. I, I, 
I even say our triple constraint is a bit dated and we need to, so I created the triple constraint for value creation of, of value creation in terms of benefits and risk that you're taking and sustainability and one about engagement, the people, where, where do we know where people are? And it's the most important thing for us in projects so far, we don't know. So um, I think we need to evolve it. I, I, I love people like you who are trying to push the boundaries and moving from what we've been training, and I would not say brainwashed, but it's really in our heads, and and it has to be changed. Yeah, one, uh, you know, I often get asked because uh, we'll talk about metrics, and you know, I, I poke fun at the the standard dashboard that every PMO leader creates, right? Projects on the left, and budget, scope, and quality on the top, and it's red, yellow, green, and and I said, well, what did what information did you actually just provide to your executive leadership team? with that dashboard that they can action, take action on. And there's nothing, right? I mean, it's just what every PMO creates. So they always ask me, well, what's a metric I could use that would be valuable? I always say, well, we'll start real simple. How about the aging of issues on your project? And they, they ask, well, why would that be important? I said, well, if, if an issue is blocking you from accomplishing a, a activity on your project, usually it requires a stakeholder or a sponsor to help you clear it. If those issues are long, that means you're not getting the, the leadership you need, the support you need on your project, which is preventing you from doing what you need to do. It's slowing down the outcome, right? Whether we're green on budget doesn't matter if, we, if we're not exactly. actually achieving something, right? So with that sort of mindset, are, what are some other examples that you can think of that a project manager or a PMO leader or an agilist can think about that is is that different mindset, right? There, there has to be, someone has to flip a switch in every delivery expert in the world and say, you go from project management, which you mentioned, and you change it to project leadership. And what, you know, again, what's an example that you can think of, of where they can have a mindset shift to be able to start thinking about the outcomes over the, the actual management of work? Yeah, I'll, I'll share a very simple tool, which I think is so powerful. And again, I don't understand why these methods and never cover its purpose. I, I just don't understand why every project management methodology, every PMO starts with a business case. We know business cases are nice. They always look great. I've never seen a bad business case. They're all super sexy. And, and of course, they want to be selected, right? But we know that this is a bit flaw and and, and, and you have optimist bias. And who talk about the purpose? Why don't we think about why are we doing the project? And, and, and you cannot imagine, I think 99.9% of PMOs and project management will tell you about their project, like we are replacing the HR system. And this is how they talk. This is our project replacing HR system. And I say, but why are we doing the project? And they say, well, because the all want is all. Say that's not why we're doing it. Say, and then you ask them why. So the why is, is the most important because um, basically the new tool offers uh, a bit of a community functionality, a bit like the Facebook type of social media, and 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 actually our employees are not very engaged. So we're, they're, they're not happy in the last survey, and some of them are leaving the best talent. Ah, so you're moving now from a nature system to engagement of the people because there's a community functionality. And then I asked the project leader, why? Why do we need that? Why do we need the community? Because communities will let people speak up, they will share more, they will feel more belonging. Uh, so we'll have more engaged people. And then I asked, but why do we need more engaged people? And they say, well, basically we're more engaged the, the the company will do better. Will attract more talent. People will stay happy, and 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 suddenly, But that's why we're doing the project. The project is not replacing the old HR system. Your project is huge. It's such a big project, and the purpose is to make our company more engaging for employees. And then I ask, by when? Hmm. And then well, by when? It's January first, twenty twenty two. And how can I measure? Well, there's a survey again in January, and we want to reach 50%. So now you're telling me that your project by in January is going to create more engaged people, 20% um, higher. And you see, the, this is the most powerful tool, Joe, 
uh, that I know because estimating value is very difficult. Let's let's be honest, uh, and I will not be able to find a formula to do it. It's just very hard, and I know benefit structures and so on. But the purpose is something that we need to get used to. It people don't care about the business case. Nobody gets excited by a ten percent return investment. I don't know why project management methodologies never talk about purpose. Learn to talk about purpose. Learn why we're doing the project. If there's no purpose, don't do the project. You're not going to get engagement. Nobody's going to buy it. If you cannot tell me that your software is going to solve a bigger issue, stop it. So I think this is, uh, you would be amazed. 99.9% of PMOs, project managers will tell you we're replacing the HR system. We've been trained for that. I don't blame them. We've been trained for that. Well, and and this is where... It, it, you just created a commercial for my company, the PMO squad, right? Because we have the purpose-driven PMO. That's our, that's the foundational service right. that we provide the clients. And it, we've rebranded PMO because it's such a bad name. It's purpose, measure, optimize. Simple as that. Why are we Love working it. this? How are we doing? And let's make sure we, we accomplish what we need by continuous improvement. I love it. And, and Great time subscribe. Yeah, this is this is the way of the future. Um, and, and what I find is people have a hard time understanding the language of another profession, mm-hmm. right? So I, I, if an engineer is talking to me, it takes me time to understand what they're saying because I don't understand their language. So when we say that in project management speak, people may not understand what we just said. So I like to use New Year's resolutions, right? Uh, people around the world, New Year's comes around and they say, I'm going to make a resolution this year that I'm going to lose weight. And there's been studies that 88% of those people by February 1st stop trying to lose weight. They fail because they didn't have purpose, right? It was just a, it was, I'm going to implement a software project. That, that's that similar mindset. But when they take those people who say, I'm going to lose weight and ask them why, and the answers could be, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and I want to make sure that I get healthy. Or my daughter is getting married later this year and I want to fit into a dress and look good for it. Or I have a high school reunion coming up and I want to make sure that I look good for my classmates when I get together with them. By adding in the purpose those people now have over a 90% success rate of achieving their New Year's resolution goal. So in layman's terms, what we're saying is everybody gets is if you add a why to what you're trying to do, you have a better chance of being successful than just doing it because. I love it. 100%. That's the best takeaway of the entire show that uh, that we've had in common on this. I love it. This is the the future for where we're headed. And uh, the challenge we have is that we're out of time now. I could keep talking to you forever, Antonio. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, uh, after the show, we need to reconnect and see what we can start working on next uh, because I sure. think we're we're so well aligned on mm. uh, how we could help one another achieve our own goals and what our purposes are in life. Would love that, Joe. Yes. So I want I give you an opportunity again to to mention anything perhaps we didn't cover or if you have you've got your book coming up but is there anything else that you have coming up you want to share with listeners and how can listeners get in touch with you after the show if they want to connect with you Thank you for the opportunity Joe so first uh, just join my newsletter it's antonionietorodriguez.com that's my website so and there's about 55,000 people following. I just created my LinkedIn newsletter, uh, which is also coming weekly. So feel free to join and, and share. It's more than a newsletter. It's a forum for discussion. So uh, I want to make this LinkedIn newsletter like the place to talk about projects, PMO, and, and so on. Uh, third, it would be, yes, if you're interested to finding out more about this project management reinvented, the Harvard Business Review book is coming in September, October. It's already available for order. The good news is that I'm going to have an article in the HBR magazine, which is a trendsetter. So also great for, for the profession to get that um, kind of exposure at the top level. And the last one, Joe, you mentioned, if you really want to skill up, 
your your uh, competencies and become a strategy implementation professional, just visit uh, uh, strategyimplementationinstitute.org uh, and, and you'll find uh, more about this program, the, the online course and the certification with APMG. And, and we had great, great, great feedback from people really experiencing in the world of projects, PMO. So thank you for opportunity to share a bit about my, my activities, Joe. Now, it's my pleasure, Antonio. Thank you for finding time to join us. And of course, thank you to all of our listeners for for coming in today or, or getting the download afterwards on the podcast. We'll release that, of course, next week. Uh, and want to remind everybody to go out and visit projectmanagementofficehours.com to check out all of our prior shows and see who our upcoming guests are going to be. And they are uh, from Vietnam. We're going to have Karsten Lay coming up uh, from Brazil. Americo Pinto will be joining us. Uh, Tim Creasy from ProSci. I was drawing a blank for a second. Sorry, Tim. Uh, but you talked about change management, right? We're going to have ProSci coming on talking about that. Uh, from Portugal, Mar Marissa Silva, uh, Ricardo Vargas. Uh, and then, of course, later this morning, we have Erica Flora, who's going to be joining us here in studio. So an all-star lineup of guests from around the world joining us to share their story and their experiences. A reminder, uh, as we learned today, right, this show is live and sometimes uh, we get interruptions in that <laughs> feed, but we do record these and we can release these as a podcast. So be sure to subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whatever your platform of choice may be. And lastly, thanks to our sponsors, the PMO Squad, home of the Purpose Driven PMO and the PMO Leader, uh, which is the global hub for information, knowledge, thought leadership, and sharing for PMO leaders from around the world. That's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Management Office Hours with PMO Joe. You're not alone in your project management journey. We're here to help you achieve your goals. Subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on your favorite podcast platform to catch all of our episodes and hear industry leaders share their story and secrets to success.